technical glitches in my IT world today, and we're working off of different equipment, but that's okay. So Satan knows that I get discouraged. You can clobber me with a major setback financially or in a career or in a relationship, and I don't love those one bit at all, but I can toughen up that this little chipping, you know, death by a thousand cut stuff that wears me, and I'm not going to give up on this one. I'm, I'm starting an exciting personal study I'm, um, in Bible study, and, and I can tell that I'm going to get some fantastic stuff out of this. So I'm, I'm ready for some a little discouragement because I know that uh, the evil one doesn't like it when, when Tyler gets his eyes set on the Lord. So we're going to continue this morning with far-flung faith. This is part two. Two weeks ago, we began the series Far-Flung Faith, and we agreed that far-flung faith uh, can mean widely distributed, and it can also mean distant and remote. And we discussed how a far-flung faith is one that touches many areas of our lives and how it is God's wish for us that his deep-seated faith genuinely extends into every aspect of our life. We also discussed how a far-flung faith um, extends into the places that are distant and remote, such as the unknown next steps of our lives, right? Prayed for those things this morning. And once again, I'm using this image of a skipping rock on the screen. The image depicts both facets of a far-flung faith. The skipping stone is multiple points of impact as it travels across the water, and it carries the stone beyond what the stone could normally travel on its own if we just simply tossed it. So this week in part two of this series, we're going to reflect on ourselves and how we are changed by the obedient act of extending our faith. So next Sunday, we're going to look at this change a little deeper as we reflect on how we respond to God's response to our faith. And then we can conclude this series as we learn about this impact, that is, these ripples that are sent out in all directions from each individual impact as uh, we do this ongoing process of we extend faith and God meets us and, and then we extend it a little more, this ongoing, and it affects everything around us in every aspect of our life. And I'm excited as we talk about that the next two weeks. And we couldn't talk about extending faith without studying the obedient act of tithing. And uh, Proverbs 3, 9, I want to read this again. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with your first fruits of all your crops. And when we give our wealth, whatever it is, whether it's literal money or it is our time, thoughts, energy, or talents, these are all things that we agree they have value to us. We're extending faith, faith that says we value you, God, more than these things. A faith that says, I am not certain how much more money or time or clear-minded thought or energy or talents I have coming in the day's head, but I am certain that I know because I can see my confident hope and you can see it too. And you are pleased and you will continue to provide me with all that I need. Now, how this changes us in response to him as he fulfills his promise to us is we have a deeper confidence because we have once again extended faith and we see what he's done with it. So here's a little bit of the paradox of faith in these situations. Now that we have extended faith in this way, whether it's a job situation or a surprise expense that somehow you know, we, we got covered or an unexpected health crisis of some kind, as we've extended faith and said, okay, God, I give this to you, and he continued to give, and we continue to give our first fruits and all this stuff, he rewards us. And, and we can draw on that and we say, I've been through this before. It really stunk, but I've been through this before and he got me through it. So I have a little more faith this time. I know with more confidence because I've been through it. It's a part of my story that God will do it again. 
because that's what he's done time and time again, even when I haven't given him credit for it. So now, is that extending faith? It takes a little less faith to believe this time because now we have proof. We know we need to extend before we have the proof. Now we have proof. So what do we do next time? Now you look at me and you say, next time? That this is supposed to be a story of good news and you're telling me there's going to be more? I'm sorry, my friends. I'm called to tell you the good news and the truth. And sometimes the truth doesn't sound like good news to us. But God doesn't promise an easy life. But he does promise to be with us. And he does promise to care for us and to provide for us by the way of our salvation. So we have gained valuable experience and testimony. And that's important. Not only is this experience, but it's a part of our story. As we've gained this in the ways of the world and we fling our faith out there and we have learned through this experience that God does indeed care and he does continue to provide, we develop a deeper confidence that God will continue to do so. And this is a well-placed confidence. But let me warn you against complacency. God wants you to continue to grow in faith. And if it takes a little more struggle and trials to keep you moving down that path with him, he may allow more. Let's call them opportunities. He may allow more opportunities for you to grow in your faith. But like the loving father that he is, this is done for your good and the benefit of the child because you are God's child. James 1, 2 through 4, we are encouraged by these words. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And that is God's desire for you during your time on earth, to develop a persevering faith, one that is mature and complete and lacks nothing. Why does it need to persevere? When they're done, I'll be in heaven. Because, my friends, the other side of this life is an eternity with heaven, in heaven, with your Father, in His holy presence, a place and duration that is the epitome of perseverance. Let's get it right here because it's going to last forever there. Now, the first message in the series I subtitled, God Will, Far-Flung Faith, God Will. And during that message, I listed a few things that He will do in response to you when you extend your faith. God will hear you. God will meet your needs. God will be with you. God will guide you, watch over you, and understand you. And I love that one. Sometimes I feel like God's the only one that gets me. God will love you, and he will outdo you. He will outgive you. He will outlast you. He will exceed all of your hopes and expectations. And I remind you that God will meet your genuine acts of faith and respond to them. But you need to give him something to respond to. You need to take that first step. You need to put something out there. And he says, aha, you're trusting me. Let me do this for you. And when he responds, and God will respond, the proverbial ball is in your quarter for you St. Louis Blues fans, or the puck has crossed the blue line. So as God hears me, I will speak to him more, with more frequency and with more sincerity. Because God already knows my thoughts. And he knows my heart. So why do I need to do this? Because he needs to know that I trust him. This isn't a secret. I'm fooling myself if I think that all this stuff that I think, good or bad in my mind, God doesn't know. He knows. He says, trust me with your problems. Trust me with your sins. Trust me with your failures. And let me handle those with you. Okay? 
And the other thing is we need to say it out loud for us. It's a part of the repentance process to say, I messed up, I'm sorry. And it's also a part of our testimony to share the good things. God, I am so excited that today I accomplished this or I did this or I, I did this wonderful thing. You know, we need to say that out loud. So when God hears me, I will speak to him more. When God meets my needs, I will trust him with more. I want to encourage you to revisit the message titled The Speed of Faith. And an audio recording is on all those regular outlets. Um, so talk about that. When, when, you, when he meets my needs, I trust him a little further. And that message was called The Speed of Faith because you can only go so far, so fast down this road as you extend God trust with your life to handle these things. How can God, you know, handle you here if you're still down here struggling with some basic issues of forgiveness, whether it's yourself or someone else? God will continue to be with me. In my response, I will be increasingly aware of his presence. He's everywhere. He's always with me. So I just need to be aware that God is with me in these situations, good or bad. God guides me. God will guide me. And I will let him. I will listen for his guidance and take advantage of these opportunities if they don't seem very comfortable. God watches over me, I said, and I will give him something to be proud of. So when he looks at me and he says, well done, child of God, and he wants to be able to do that for every one of you. God understands me. Like I said, this brings comfort. And I say to that, I'll just have to be more genuine. If God understands me, then there's, that's the one person, the one being I can be real with and say, I really struggle with this. God, help me with it. You understand me. And God loves me. In my response, I will love him more. And it's a biblical response to do so. First John four nineteen says, we love because he first loved us. And the last one I said is God will outdo you. So when God outdoes me, remember, he will outgive me, he will outlast me, he will exceed my hopes and expectations. Well, I will continue to increase my energy and efforts and give him more and more to exceed. I'm gonna try to outdo God and let's watch what he does. Luke 6.38 has a point of God's promises there. It says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, this talks mostly about forgiveness, but I think it's fair in everything you do with God. It says, whatever you use to measure, let's say you've got a cup, and it says, take that and press it down, okay? And then shake it together, get all the loose space out of it, and then let it overflow so it's all over your lap. He said, that's how much. Whatever you use, whatever size cup or bowl or bucket or whatever it is, I'm going to take that, I'm going to cram it and overflow it in your lap. So be that kind of forgiving person. Be that kind of loving person. Be that kind of faithful person and watch what I do. Matthew 7, 2, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Again, God outdoes me and I'm going to try to keep up with him. I'm going to use a bigger and bigger measure and watch what he does with it. So back to this verse on tithing, Malachi 3.10 instructs us to bring the whole tithe in the storehouse. There may be food in my house. Test me in this, he says. He says, test me in this. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. This is the measure we use. And this is not a reason to extend faith, to get something in return. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this so God gives me this much. This is not what true faith is about. Do you remember the, that scripture from 1 Corinthians 13, 4, 8? 
It's in every wedding. Love is patient. Love is kind. And remember, God is love. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. We should not extend faith or act under the guise of love for the purpose of what we get for doing so. This promise from God himself, Malachi speaks to the blessings, the generous, unearned gift that he holds for you. It pleases him to share them with you as you walk in a genuine, faithful way that honors him. And this is a result of faith. And understanding this as the wonderful gift that it is can't help but change you from the inside out. Just like the verse that Al read, you, you're transformed because of this renewing, because God is changing you from the inside out with this faith you're doing, because you're doing it for the right reasons in the right way. And if you're a regular attender here, Golden Beach, yes, you are. If you listen to the messages podcast regularly, you just know me. You've heard me speak those verses from James 1 multiple times. They are not only verses that I rely on during times of struggle, but they also have become an integral part of my testimony Every time I've used that verse to get through a thing in my life, he's done exactly what he said he would do. So let me read again a part of that. Consider it again, pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So to carry the skipping stone metaphor a little further, let me explain it this way. If you've ever skipped a stone, you know that the best ones are relatively flat and smooth and just the right size to hold your hand, you know, to get that sidearm spin. I'm not, didn't bring a visual aid, but that rock likely did not start in that size or in that shape. Whatever it was originally was pressed down by pressure and heat for, for who knows, millions of years possibly. Or it was cracked and split from something larger. It was worn down by wind or water or simply tumbling. It was transformed into the way that it was when you found it, the perfect thing to skip. In a lot of ways, we are similar. We are pressed down from pressure, right? We're cracked or split or maybe worn down. Does anybody feel like that? We prayed about these things this morning. But that journey, the experience, the exposure that has shaped you and what you are today, and here you are, here you are. You are obediently giving the first fruit of your time by spending the first hours of the first day of the week praising God, talking to him, learning about him, honoring him, and he is pleased. And that deserves an amen. My friends, God isn't finished with you yet, nor is he finished with me. He wants to continue to shape you to be more like Christ that so you may reach this full maturity, lacking nothing, so that your faith shares and matches the same persevering eternity that your soul does. And this is an ongoing process that requires action from both your side and God's side. And he's doing his part. So let's keep up ours. Two weeks ago, before we took a break to, to honor our fathers, we looked at a few aspects of faith. And I want to revisit them now, but in the light of our responsiveness to God. I said, faith can grow. And you should respond to God by extending more faith. Not just faith again but flinging your faith a little further beyond your comfort level. I'm going to trust him a little more with a few more things. Maybe some things that I normally hold a little tighter to because they're mine. Okay? 
Faith is a gift. You should respond to God when you understand that faith is a gift by thanking him for it. Faith means to trust. You should respond to God by worrying less. Well, that's tough, isn't it? But by trusting him more, there's less to worry about. We weren't designed to worry. That's why our body does all this crazy stuff when we get stressed and worried. You know, we feel awful. We look awful. We don't sleep. We get stomach problems because God didn't design a body for us to worry. He said, I've got this. Let it go. Give it to me. Faith results in action. And you should respond to God by making this a part of your story, by living with a bold confidence, not in yourself, but a confidence in him. And great faith is believing before you experience. We talked about this. Taste, then see. Take the first step in the Jordan and I will split the waters. You should respond to God by continuing to take that first step in every aspect of your life, trusting him with literally everything. Finally, faith is a decision everyone makes. You should respond to God by making the faith decision every day. It may be simple as just saying, Lord, I don't know what today will bring, but I know that this day belongs to you. Period. During our Sunday morning Bible studies, we've been working through the book, Just Enough Light for the Step I'm On. A few weeks ago, the study guide asked this question. Have you taken your first step with God by receiving Jesus into your heart? And we looked at that question a little closer during part one of this message series. And this week, I want you to answer this question in your heart. When God responded to your most recent step of faith, how did you respond to him? Did you allow the situation to change you for the better? Did you then further respond by taking an additional step? And that is something to ponder in your heart. And if you haven't taken that first step, if you need a do-over or a reset, or you simply feel like you don't even know what that means, what I'm talking about, I love the opportunity to hear from you. I would. And if you've taken a number of steps and you aren't sure that you were seeing God's response in your life, I'd love to hear from you as well, because God's got something to say to you. The author of the Bible studies offered these words. I'm going to read them. It says, no matter how far away from God you've gone, when you surrender your life to the Lord, a path is carved from where you are to where you're supposed to be, and he puts you on it. This is the miracle of his power. If the path you've been on is crooked, he will make it straight. If you're headed in the wrong direction, he will turn you around. If you have come to a standstill, he will get you moving. If you're going around in circles, he will correct your course and cause you to arrive at your destination. The simple act of giving your life to him, call that faith, will immediately put you on the correct path and aim you in the right direction. And as you take one step at a time, holding God's hand and letting him lead, he will get you to where you need to go. His desire is that we become more and more dependent on him. I've said this repeatedly during the series. More and more dependent on him for every step. That's because he wants to take us places we've never been, to heights we can't even imagine. And that's faith. Faith to let him lead your life. That is true faith. A faith, as Hebrew 11.1 describes, is confidence in the hope we have and a confidence assurance in what we do not see. Hebrews 11.1. You know, God has met your faith. Whatever faith that is, whatever measure you've used at this point in your life, God has met that faith and responded to you. And now it's your turn to respond back. And that's not just my prayer for you this week. It's God's fulfilled promise to you individually, and he delights in doing that, in honoring that promise. When you become a follower of Jesus, you committed to responding to him, and you'll be blessed for doing so. 
You've taken a step of faith, so take another and then another after that. Walk hand in hand with your father on the path that you are on together, or as he leads you back to the path that he desires for you. As Paul told the Corinthians, this, this church, people we talked about that at churches, we are the church. We're your partners, okay? We work alongside you. We're all on, on hopefully the same path. We're definitely on parallel paths, hopefully. We're going the same direction, let's just say that. And we're joyfully expectant. That's what Paul's words in Corinthians says. We're joyfully expectant for what's going to happen for you, about what he will do for you and through you. Right? Let's pray. Father God, what good news you have for us that you are not a once and done God, that if we take that first step, if we act in faith, if we believe in faith, if we do anything in faith, you will meet us. You will respond to that faith. And maybe it's to, to stretch us, to do a little more faith. Maybe, maybe it's just to give us the peace of mind and confidence for the step we're on at the moment. But God, we have an obligation, a commitment, an obedient commandment to respond to that even further. This is, faith is a process. We take that first step and you meet us and you bless us. And we take another step and you meet us and you bless us. And regardless of how many steps we've taken or if we've taken our first or we're, we're still getting ready to take that first step, God, you are anxiously and joyfully expectant at what we do next. God, as a church, let us always be open and welcoming to everybody, wherever they're at on their faith walk, whether they're on the path or they're struggling or they are so lost in, in, in scriptural sense that they don't even know where the path is. God, help us to not judge. Help us to connect people to you. And God, maybe that's us. Maybe we're at a spot in our life when we just need a, a little bump. And God, we know that uh, you sometimes allow things to happen to stretch our faith, to move us a little long. God, I'm excited about that. It's a, it's a risky prayer to say, help me grow in my faith, because I know what that means. But we welcome that. And that's my prayer for everyone here, everyone who, who worships and follows you, whether they're here physically today or, or listening online or attending a church elsewhere or they're doing something else today, God. My prayer is that we are all continually seeking you. Help us to become the creatures that you intend us to be. Polish our lives so that our lives match our soul and we can have an eternity with you in heaven. And always, I just want to conclude this prayer by being thankful for this building, all that we have, the hands that built it, the, the individuals that have supported it along the way and continue to do so and into the future. And God, on a, on a quiet, rainy Sunday when, when there's a few more empty seats than normal, we just pray for those empty seats. God, that you will bring people here seeking you. Because we know that you will meet them wherever they're at. And we are thankful for that. Amen.